Well, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Colossians 4. Uh, we are in the home stretch, guys. We are uh, going to have today's message and next week's message, and then we will wrap up this book. Uh, real quickly, while you're turning there, let me just a couple of quick notes. Uh, I want to remind our Crossroad members that we do have a membership meeting this afternoon at 5 o'clock right here in the auditorium where we will be uh, looking at affirming the bylaw amendments. Uh, they're back there. If you haven't seen them yet, we have some for tonight as well. Uh, but if you want to come and you're not a member, you're welcome to come sit in on that because uh, after our discussion and going through that vote process, we're then going to have just some coffee and we'll have some snacks that are good for kiddos and adults may want some of them too. And we'll share with the adults if you're nice. All right, uh, but but we're gonna have a good time. It's always just a, a sweet time. We do family business and then we do some family gathering. Just enjoy our time together. So I'm looking forward to that. I also want to tell you uh, thank you for praying over the weekend. I had a really cool opportunity. This is actually my fourth time to preach so far this weekend. On Friday and Saturday, I was privileged to be able to share God's word at the Unstoppable God Conference, which our own uh, Christian K. Wood and, and her husband Logan worked so hard to put on. Uh, and that was a young adult conference for ages 15 to 30 in the special needs community here in our area. So that was just a fun time to get to worship the Lord uh, with those sweet men and women and to, to get to share the word of God with them. And they were very attentive and uh, they're actually wrapping that up this morning. So if you think about that later, pray for them that they have a good final morning of that. Uh, but I'm really glad to be with you today and sharing God's word. I, I love preaching. Uh, I had a couple people say, so you're going to preach five times this weekend? And I was like, yeah. And if you'll let me do six, I may do it. Like, I'm ready. I love to share God's word. It's just one of the ways God has wired me and one of the things he's created me to do. Uh, you know, you, you see, remember the movie about the runner? You know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, chariots of fire, right? It took me a while to get the name. Do you remember what he said, that when he runs, he feels God's pleasure? Man, for me, it's not when I run. When I run, I feel God's wrath on attack. <laughs> But man, I feel God's pleasure when I preach the word. It's one of the things he's created me to do. So it's a great privilege to do that every week. And I don't ever want you to think that I take that privilege for granted. It's a joy to be your pastor and to preach the word. And I hope that God has blessed you as much as he has blessed me as we've walked through Colossians together. God has just been teaching us so much. But I also want to say that, that while I think we've learned a lot and grown a lot, I feel a little bit overwhelmed at times. As we move from the theological to the practical, this amazing truth that Jesus is supreme over everything and that he's worthy of our full devotion and affection and worship and surrender. Like we liked that. It was good. It was moving. And we felt the Lord calling us and, and taking us deeper. And we loved that. But then Paul made this switch in chapter 3 and got insanely practical. And we said not only practical, but a little bit personal. Because now all of a sudden he's saying to us that we need to get rid of some of these characteristics in our lives that are not of God. And so we need to put on Christ and love and walk with him in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit comes to bear in our lives. So we naturally kind of start assessing ourselves, right? Like, how are we doing on this? Well, I still got some of this in my life. And he said, put that away. And I haven't put this on. And he told me to put that on. And, and it gets a little stressful. Well, then last week, if that was already overwhelming, Paul got even more personal and said, hey, the way you interact in your key relationships, your work life and your home life, these should look radically different because of the gospel. So we find ourselves, in a sense, overwhelmed by all of these calls. 
We summed it up last week by saying the gospel reorients us from me-centered to others-centered. That's a lot, isn't it? And I know that at times I have been thinking, I've got such a long way to go. And I look at these lists, and I think the wrong list defines me a lot of times. And this other list, I feel like I fall so short, and I feel like my home life and my work life need work, and, and, and I find myself overwhelmed. But then I remember that the theological truths we studied said that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the supremacy of Christ should actually bring us freedom. And I'm like, okay, so if, if Jesus brings me freedom and the gospel brings me freedom, why do I feel overwhelmed? Ever feel like that? Well, if you feel like me sometimes, I've got good news for you today. As we hear these calls to transformation, we know that Jesus is worthy of our full surrender. If you feel inadequate today, I want to let you know that there is a power source available to those who are desperate for God's help. What we're going to discover today in a very short text is this. Prayer is the fuel for gospel ministry and gospel living. Prayer is the fuel for gospel ministry and gospel living. Paul's going to invite us to pray in such a way that we're prepared for the work and the life that God has called us to. So let's read the text and then we'll pray and ask for God's help as we study this together. Colossians 4 and we're starting in verse 2. The word of the Lord says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Oh Lord, we come to your word today asking for your help. By your spirit, would you convey your truth clearly through your messenger today? Would you give me clarity of thought and speech? Would you give my brothers and sisters, ears to hear your spirit and a heart ready to receive your truth. And God, would you help us be transformed by a short but, but impactful text. Thank you for speaking through your word today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this text is going to open with a very clear call to steadfast prayer. Verse 2 starts with a, an important word, and that word is continue. So the assumption is that you and I are people of prayer, that, that we have been doing this, that as this gospel transformation, this putting off and putting on happens, that it's actually fueled by prayer. So Paul says, continue in that prayer you've been doing. Any of you convicted yet? <laughs> All right, well, you're not listening then, because I, I don't, you know, I, I pray that you're all prayer warriors like you might think you are. But I know that when I read continue in steadfast prayer, I'm like, I got to start doing that. All right, well, apparently you all need to be steadfastly praying for your pastor because I'm the only one. But I think if we were to be honest with ourselves today, this is a challenge for us. 
The literal translation of this phrase is reflected in the New American Standard, but also, surprisingly, the NIV. It says simply, devote yourself to prayer. That word devote is the same word that we've camped out on in Acts chapter 2. Do you remember that? That the church is to be devoted to the word, devoted to fellowship, and devoted to prayer. The, The word literally means to persistently attend to continue on, to be steady, consistent, not wavering, ongoing, devoted. Let's just get real at the beginning of this message. Can the word steadfast be used to describe your prayer life? Can you honestly say that you are devoted to prayer? If you're like most Christians I know, this is a struggle. And I think sometimes, based on the quietness of the room, it's a struggle. Y'all really like it when I preach about other people's problems. And I do too. Oh, but but friends, hear me. I, I don't want you to feel guilty this morning. So take a breath. Everyone take a breath. All right. Because here's the reality. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about your prayer life. Instead, today, brothers and sisters, I want you to feel hopeful. Because here's what's happening. Paul is letting us in on the not-so-secret secret to real-life transformation to the Christian life. And that transformation comes through the miracle that is prayer. Prayer is the fuel for transformation in the Christian life. I think we spend so much time striving to fix our own lives. How many times have you been up late at night Googling things? I know that got some of you. Some of you are like, how does he know? Because I've been there. My goodness, this is embarrassing. I'm I'm cheating. This is a week ahead. But man, I was struggling with something a couple weeks ago. Just something in my spirit, something just even psychologically in my head. I was in a weird place. So I'm doing what people do. It's like like one or two o'clock in the morning. And I'm Googling something about pastors. I'm Googling things about significance and, you know, the the battle in your own head. And I kid you not, the second or third Google search that came up was a text, a sermon that somebody had preached on the text I'm preaching next week. I just put my phone down. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be steadfast in prayer. So, hey, God can even use Google. Isn't that wild? Some of you are going to take too much liberty with that, all right? Go to the Bible, not Google. But, but here's what I want to tell you, friends. We, we spend so much energy, whether you're looking on the internet, you find a new book, this is going to fix it. Or maybe if you find that perfect sermon, that'll just straighten everything. Some of you come every Sunday thinking, maybe this will be the day that Rusty finally hits on the, the maybe the Bible will finally get this issue in my life. And, and we talk to friends, we have cups of coffee, we have conversations saying, hey, can you help me with this in my life or with this issue? Uh, you know, this big life thing that we're facing, we're not really sure what to do. So we're getting counsel from as many people as we can get counsel. All the while, we spend so much time, effort, and energy trying to fix our lives when the Lord invites us to bring our lives to him in prayer to seek his presence to call on his name to ask for his help and it's so wild that our flesh pushes us away from our best source of help you know the Holy Spirit the the word that's used for spirit in John's gospel when Jesus is telling us that the Holy Spirit's going to come literally means helper comforter Yet we run to all different areas for help and comfort, don't we? 
for influence, for help in our lives. Oh, that we would be like the psalmist. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. But friends, if we were honest today, we say, I lift my eyes up to the heavens. From where does my help come from? I'm going to Google it. I'm going to go to the self-help aisle. I'm going to look up motivational YouTube videos. And I'm going to spiral further downward into my depression and anxiety. Think of the old hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. How many sleepless nights, how many long whoopings of a season are we going to have to go through before the Lord reminds us that he is here and that we can call upon his name? What a great privilege this is. So what does this steadfast prayer look like? A couple of notes from our text. First, we see that steadfast prayer is intentional prayer. Paul says, being watchful in it. So, so prayer is not something we just check off of our religious to-dos and move on with our day. It's not something we just do before meals quickly. All of that's well and good. But Paul urges us to be intentional. In Acts chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, Paul says it this way, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. So as you pray, keep alert with all perseverance. So twice in these letters to the early church, Paul says, pray, but, but keep alert. Be watchful, be intentional in the way you pray. Here's what I think Paul is saying to us, brothers and sisters. Prayer doesn't just happen. Prayer doesn't just happen. So many of us, I think, when we struggle with prayer, we pass it off with phrases like this. And I've used this phrase, so don't, so don't think I'm hating if you've used this this week, okay? Well, I just pray all the time, right? I call them flare prayers, right? Lord, help this meeting go well. Lord, be, give me energy to, to deal with kids today. Lord, give me energy. I've got a deacon's meeting tonight. Lord, no, I'm kidding. Our deacons are great. Lord, help, I'm in this situation. My boss is at me again. Lord, And listen, all those are well and good, and can I tell you that God wants to hear those prayers? And God uses that prayer. The Bible even tells us to pray without ceasing. All that's great, but I think the Bible so clearly calls us to intentionally stop from time to time, to stop our normal and plug into the power source that is available to us in Almighty God. And that takes some intentionality. Could you say today that you're being watchful in your prayer life? If not, then I think you're probably in that category of people who struggle to pray. How can we pray intentionally? I, I can't take too much time today. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to just say three things real quick. I think having an intentional time helps. And I'm not legalistic about that. I don't have a verse that tells you you have. You know, I've had some pastors who've been like, it said Jesus prayed in the morning. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe Jesus was a morning person. Not everybody is. I am a morning person, but I have kids, so I'm not naturally a prayer morning person. But find you a time that works and try to consistently keep that time. Second thing I would encourage you to do is have a place. 
Man, some of you, you know, the Bible, the idea of a prayer closet, you know, I'm not saying you need to, you know, remodel a closet in your house. If you can, that's awesome. But the reality of finding a place where you can be alone with the Lord sometimes takes a little bit of effort. So find you a place, and then I want you to have an intentional plan for prayer. That's one area where I think people sometimes will be like, okay, I'm going to start praying, and I'm going to pray. You know, remember we did that thing where we were trying to pray for 30 minutes a day as a church? Some of you were like, uh, after five minutes, I'm out. And we have ideas of how we can continue to pray, like our Pray For Me campaign. Like we've got a book that's helping us pray through Scripture. It's a wonderful tool. There are other tools like that. Uh, my, my friend in my discipleship group uh, who just, we mentor one another. Justin's right there, so I'm just going to call him out on it. You can ask him after service about it. He has a, a rhythm that he prays through where it's different emphases on different days. So one day he's praying intentionally for his family. The next day he's praying like for our nation, and, and it helps. And, and yeah, some of those crossover over certainly but having an intentional plan and structure so an intentional time an intentional place an intentional structure to your prayer could be helpful if you want more conversation with me about that I love coffee so hit me up and we will make that happen okay but we need to continue on in this text this morning we also see that steadfast prayer is not only intentional but it is thankful we should be a people of thankful prayer. And I want to just say, Paul certainly commands us to pray with thanksgiving, but what I've experienced in my prayer life is when I'm actually steadfast and intentional in my prayers, thanksgiving comes naturally. When our life is all flare prayers, we don't really have time to stop and tell God thanks, do we? Have you noticed this? When you only pray in crisis mode, we never pray and tell God thank you. But when we have an intentional rhythm of prayer, can I tell you what's going to happen? God's going to answer prayers, and you're going to be praying, and you're just going to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this gift that is prayer, and that I can talk to you and share my life with you, and that you're changing me, and you're changing others, and that you are doing work in my life. Pray with thanksgiving. It's the natural product of a praying life is thanksgiving. And that's going to lead us to this next section of Scripture because after talking about this steadfast, intentional, and thankful prayer, Paul essentially brings up a prayer request. And what we see here is what I'm calling a prayer for gospel ministry. A prayer for gospel ministry. So if you're trying to take notes, my outline just looks like steadfast prayer. And then secondly here, we're going to talk about prayer for gospel ministry. Verses 3 and 4 say this, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So Paul says, hey, would you pray for me? Yeah, he says that I may make it clear how I ought to speak. That's important too, isn't it? Paul asked the Colossians to pray for he and his ministry partners as they were advancing the gospel. Pray for opportunities to proclaim the gospel and then pray for clarity and boldness as he speaks the gospel. Those are two wonderful prayers for your ministry leaders, Crossroad. Certainly, we're very thankful for your kind words, your gifts, your social media posts in the midst of Pastor Appreciation Month. They are very much appreciated. Your appreciation is appreciated. I want you to know that. Oh, but brothers and sisters, can I tell you that the greatest thing you could do for us is to answer this request that Paul made of the church in Colossae. Crossroad, we, we would love for you to pray that God would continue to open doors for our ministry leaders to proclaim his word and his gospel. 
and that when those opportunities comes, that, that we would have clarity in what to speak and boldness to speak what it is God calls us to do. Because here's what you need to know, friends, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. I, I tell you, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. There are times after church where people are talking to me about, you said something really hard today. And they're like man you just have a boldness about you and I'm like no the Lord gives me boldness in the pulpit and I'm thankful for it you don't know how many Sundays I've gone home and gone Phew. I check my email all throughout the afternoon waiting on one of you to say what are you doing man and then I googled no I'm kidding I'm kidding <laughs> it's a spiral y'all don't get into it but it's not easy. In fact, note that Paul is saying, pray that I can boldly share the gospel. You know that gospel that got me in chains? <laughs> wow. I mean, praise the Lord that, that we're not in a situation here. We have freedom in our country where I am free to proclaim the gospel, and you're free to email me about it, and that's okay. Like, we can do that, and we live in a country where there's freedom, and we praise God for that. But sometimes there are consequences to boldly proclaiming the gospel. So while we're thankful that, that we live in a place where we can even earn our living proclaiming the word of God, our ministries team still covets your prayers as we seek to lead you in the ministry that God's doing here in Wichita. But this leads us to where I want to camp out for a few moments. Our big truth for the message was this. Prayer is the fuel for gospel ministry and gospel living. And we've talked about prayer and we've talked about this call to pray for the gospel ministry, but in verses five and six, it seemingly takes a turn in the text, like from the idea of prayer to really just some basic principles for Christian living. Read verses five and six with me again. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person here's what i want you to notice in this text this is really fun for me when i read it the other day and just kept reading it it's like the lord just a light bulb went off did you notice that what paul is calling us to do is much of what he just prayed he and his ministry comrades would be able to do you see in this text both requests to, about our speech, that we think about the way we speak, and that opportunities to speak up and share, that's mentioned in both of these sections. It's almost as if Paul was reminded in his call to pray for gospel ministry, that he was reminded that everybody in the church in Colossae is called to that same ministry. Brothers and sisters, did you know that the gospel ministry we just talked about is indeed your ministry? Congratulations, you all just became ministers of the gospel. Whether you know it or not, if you are a believer, you are called by God to go and take the gospel ministry with you. Certainly, Paul is asking for prayer for himself and the other ministry leaders, and yes and amen, our pastors and ministry leaders need all the prayers we can get, but Paul also wants you to know that you have a ministry. And it's this call to prayer, and specifically the call to pray for gospel ministry that then bears fruit into wisdom for gospel living. That's our third section of this text, wisdom for gospel living. We find some words in this text that I think should certainly challenge those of us living in an outraged society. Everybody's mad at everybody about everything. 
Like that's the world in which we live. And Paul invites us to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. He's talking about those who are outside the faith. He says we need to, to walk in wisdom in the ways in which we interact with the lost. And he points to the reason, specifically because the time is short. Like, we don't have time to be mad about everything. The, the time is short. We've got to make the best use of it. Jesus is going to come again, and when Jesus comes, friends, it will be too late. So we're called to be wise in the way in which we interact with the world around us. We, we've talked about this before, but the Lord just impressed this on my heart as we were thinking through this text this week how it's so easy to be bothered instead of being burdened for the lost. It's easy to be bothered by the lost world around us rather than being burdened for the lost. And rather than having a heart for the lost and a desire to reach the lost and engage the lost, instead we're just mad about it. I caught myself in that same position this very week. Uh, to... Um, Comedians that, that would call themselves comedians. They're really just popular, progressive, uh, I would just say political hacks. Uh, so, sorry, that's not in my notes, but it's basically what they are. And in the name of comedy, they, they do shows that are basically just progressive liberal propaganda. And you may be into that. Sorry, that's just what it is. And I know that many of our young adults are influenced by that whether they know they are or not it's popular culture is influenced that by that in a real way and two of these very popular shows in the last couple of weeks did full 30 minute segments one hour shows about transgender issues and again because I know that we have so many who are influenced by that even in our church and in our culture around us I often will watch some of those segments to try to hear what people are saying and, and learn how to try to speak into those arguments in a healthy way. And here's what I want to tell you. I found myself about halfway through one of those segments getting so frustrated with the, the silly, foolish arguments, the people advocating for utter nonsense and the sexual perversion of our culture. And I, I just felt my blood pressure rising. Do you ever have that feeling? But in the midst of that, I was reminded about the text that I was preaching this week. And about halfway through a 30-minute segment, the Lord just softened my heart, and I just became so broken for these lost people. And it is so evident that they are harassed and helpless. They are sheep without a shepherd. And the Pied Piper is playing and they're dancing and running along, but they're going to be like lemmings who fall off the cliff into an eternity separated from God unless by God's grace somebody loves them enough to tell them the truth. Oh, God, I tell you, we're not going to win the loss by being mad at them. We're not going to win the loss by assigning them as the enemy. It's so easy to be bothered and angry and to think that God has called us to be against people who live in ways that are contrary to Scripture. And I don't want you going home thinking that I talked about transgender issues today. I'm talking about everyone who is lost and lives differently than us. It's easy to pick on the big cultural issues today, but man, don't you even just find yourself getting frustrated with that, you know, family member that's not living for the Lord? 
They may even be good people by the standards of the world, but you're so frustrated that they're not coming to church, right? And it bothers you instead of being burdened for them. This is a call to check your heart, friends. We don't have much time. Walking in wisdom means that we're not bothered by lost people, but we're burdened for them. And it's hard in our culture because even if some, some of you are now bothered instead of burdened that I spoke the way I did about that issue a minute ago. And the news and propaganda machines of our world really want us all to demonize and hate people who aren't like us and disagree with us. But friends, the outsiders that Paul is talking about, the outsiders of our culture, those outside the faith, are not the enemy they're the ones that Jesus came to die for so we need to walk in wisdom what does it look like to walk in wisdom well you're not going to like what the text says let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person walking in wisdom means thinking about the way we speak and interact. Certainly in 2022, that would extend to what we type and what we text and what we post. Are your words, are your social media posts, are your text messages, are your conversations seasoned with salt? Are they guided by wisdom today, especially toward those who don't know Jesus? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you treasure the mission of Christ, then you'll have a heart for the lost, and the way you speak will be seasoned with salt, filled with wisdom. When we have a heart for the lost, that comes out in the way we engage and speak to them, with them, and about them. Paul knew this. And I want you to hear me say, some of you are saying, well, he's saying that we shouldn't speak boldly about these. No, that's not what I'm saying. Remember where Paul is? Prison. Because he spoke the truth. But I'm reminded of Acts chapter 26. You may want to read that later. In fact, our, our life groups that are using the sermon study guides will spend some time in that text. Paul's been arrested and they're parading him before different people. Festus was just a corrupt governor who the text literally says was just trying to get money out of Paul. And Paul was just like, no, that ain't happening. So he would just bring Paul out when he had guests. It was almost like entertainment. King Agrippa's there and he brings Paul out and, and lets Paul give his spiel. And what does Paul do? It's not a spiel. It's what Festus thought it was. But when he starts talking, oh man, he shares the gospel. And at the end of that, it says that the governor said, you're crazy, Paul. You have lost your mind. All your education and all your learning has made you a fool. And you remember what Paul said? Oh, Agrippa, I know that you know God, and I know that you understand what I'm saying. Aren't you feeling this? Aren't you feeling this message in your soul? This is the rusty paraphrase version. You can go check it out later. And do you remember what King Agrippa said? King Agrippa was like, in such a short time, are you trying to persuade me to be a Christian? Like after one conversation, you want me to know Jesus? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. 
Paul, by the way, is literally in chains at this point. This conversation could make or break his freedom, but he's not worried about that, is he, brothers and sisters? So hear me when I say, I'm not saying we're not bold when the time calls for boldness, but you need to be bold for the right things. Oh, we don't need bold people who are going to stand up on issues. We need bold people who will stand up for Christ. Some of you are willing to stand bold on all the political and cultural issues, but you haven't told somebody about Jesus in the last 10 years. So don't email me and say that we're not talking about enough issues when the issue is that people are lost and going to hell without Christ. And you and I are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus and take the gospel to them. When that conversation was over, the governor still thought Paul was crazy. He didn't change. It's not like then he was accepted and there was big revival. No. But I wonder what happened with Agrippa. We don't know. I bet when he laid down in bed that night, though, he was still thinking about what Paul had said. And everybody there may have thought, this Paul dude's crazy. He's officially lost it. But you know what else they knew? He loved them. And he desperately wanted them to know Jesus. Can the same be said about you and me? Oh, church, we need the Lord's help if we're going to have wisdom toward outsiders. And again, I just want to say, some of you are probably going to think, wow, he almost sounds woke and progressive in this message. Well, if you feel that way, go listen to last week's message and you'll say I'm a conservative fundamentalist. But if you preach the Bible, you're going to rub up against both sides of that consistently. And if you go to a church that's not doing that, I mean, you can do that, but you're not going to a church that's preaching the whole counsel of Scripture. So to bring this message full circle, we need this wisdom to walk toward outsiders. Where do we find this wisdom? I'm reminded of James 1.5. Remember what it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So how do we get this wisdom? Prayer is the fuel for gospel ministry and for gospel living. When we become a people of steadfast prayer who are intentional and thankful in our prayer, when we're praying for the ministry leaders in our lives, a wild thing happens. Guess what? God calls you to gospel ministry. And God begins to use you in ways that you would not think or imagine. And God gives us grace beyond ourselves to be able to answer the heart cries of our culture. So if we have any hope of walking out the gospel truths that we've been studying over the past several months, if we have any hope of living as the Lord has called us to live in Colossians, it's going to be fueled by serious, intentional, and steadfast prayer. So let's pray right now and ask the Lord to help us apply his word. Oh Lord, we're thankful for your gospel that saves us. And we're thankful for a gospel that is strong enough to save a lost world that it seems like is getting crazier and crazier by the day. Lord, would you help us be a people of prayer so that you can do this work in us, that prayer is the fuel that helps us put off these things and put on you and helps us think about the ways we relate to our home and our work and then helps us think about the way we even relate to outsiders. Oh, we need your wisdom in a world that in many ways demonizes and seeks to ostracize those who want to take seriously the Bible. 
But Lord, we know that you want us to conduct ourselves in a way that people know that we love them and that we love you and that your love goes even to sinners that are outside of the faith. Oh, so God, help us to, to live with wisdom. Lord, I thank you for this word and I pray that you'd help us as we let these applications soak into our hearts and our heads over the next several hours and days. It's in your name we pray, amen.